Welcome back, Fungo Banter fans. Eric Sorensen here in Big Country Studios in Ellensburg, Washington. Super excited for this episode. We have on the phone with us Kevin Koppel, head coach at George Fox University. Coach comes from a, a long tradition of being at George Fox. He was a player there. He played for Pat Bailey, who's at Oregon State now, as the assistant coach now last year at interim. Uh, he had a great career there playing. He came back as an assistant coach there in 2007, and this was his first season as the head coach of George Fox. Super excited. You know, if you're listening to this, I hope you share it with your players. Great in t- or insight on the recruiting process and how kids should work through the figuring out where they need to go and the great, you know, the great experience that you can have playing collegiate baseball. Uh, without further ado, we're going to bring on Kelly. We'll bring on Jason and get Coach Koppel here on the on the call and, and check us out at Fungo Banter PNW on Twitter. And you're, you're probably listening to us on one of them, but let everybody know that we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Well, let's bring on Coach. Well, Fungo Banter fans, we are back with the guest of, I guess we can't really say this week because we've been doing them every day, but uh, this week we are, fortunately, we're joined by Coach Kevin Koppel. Kevin has the was the assistant coach at George Fox starting in 2007. It's their first year as the head coach, and Coach, welcome to the podcast, and congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, so the hard-hitting question we've been starting with, what type of fungo do you use, and what's your favorite fungo? Man, I'll tell you what, I've I've kind of sampled them all over the course of time. Um, SSKs, uh, <laughs> a little bit of everything, whatever the discount fungo was at ABCA. Uh, you know, if it was buy one, get one free, I was trying to do that. Um, I actually, one of my favorite fungos is I had job apps make me a fungo a couple of years ago. Um, well, probably last year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful fungo, like almost to the point where I don't want to hit a ball with it. It looks too good. Um, we also were a Marucci school. So the Marucci CS2 that we got this year, I really like. I'm a short fungo guy. That's Coach Vance's fault. Um, I just, I, I don't hit fly balls outfielders anyway. So, um, but I would say the job that's one by far the best looking fungo I've ever had. Can't ever say I've hit a ball with it because I'm scared I'm going to mess it up. Um, but the Marucci one we got this year was uh, pretty nice as well. Well, I know I know that feeling of not wanting to give one up because I don't let any of my assistant coaches touch mine after our pitching coach broke three in like four consecutive days or four days in a row. So, so I totally get what you're saying. Hey, there. I understand. I understand that we have metal fungos for pitchers for a reason. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> funny you say that because I bought him a metal fungo as a joke for our pitching coach. So, mm-hmm. well, let's jump into, uh, tell us about George Fox baseball, you know, talk about the history of it and uh, what makes your school unique. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to have a job at a great university that academically is a small Christian university with, um, a very diverse group of majors. Um, within our program, we have 10, 10 or so engineering majors this year. Um, we have some pre-med guys. We have a little bit of everything and, and the university itself, um, very academic centered. It's very student centered. So, um, our, our guys get cared for, they get resources, they get help. Um, it, it's about them and preparing them for life. Um, baseball wise, we've had a great tradition over the years. Um, I'm, I'm lucky and, uh, to fall in the footsteps of some really good coaches, um, Pat Casey, Pat Bailey, Marty Hunter, mm-hmm. and, uh, they've done such a great job of building this program and the tradition of it. Um, you know, and I think we're lucky in that we're supported really well by our administration. We're supported by our university, and and uh, it, it's it's really nice to have that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super biased. I'm an alum, so uh, for me, it, it's it's home for me. It's a place that um, I, I've known for a long time, and and been truly blessed to be a part of. I, our athletic department's amazing. Our coaches our coaches are all very close and, and I think it's, it's what makes it such a fun environment to be in. Um, I get to coach really good kids um, that are there for the right reasons and, and really enjoy being around each other, which makes my job a lot more fun. Well, yeah, talk about t- playing for Pat Bailey when you were there. Uh, playing for Pat Bailey was uh, a treat. Um, and, and, you know, you, we all get, we're all such prisoners of the moment and in the time and at, 
at the mm-hmm. moment you're playing for him, you don't really truly realize how special that kind of was. Uh, and I mean, our, our coaching staff was Pat Bailey, Marty Hunter, Randy Rutschman, and Mike Thompson. And all of them were awesome. Like just as humans, as great men, as people to look for, look up to. Um, I couldn't imagine a better staff to play for that truly cared for me as a person and wanted me to get better as a baseball player, but also as a, as a man and, and really develop myself. I think that was one of the really cool parts as I look back on it to have that. Um, but playing for Pat was awesome. Uh, you never knew if at 5 a.m. he was going to try to kung fu fight you. Um, you never knew if he was throwing BP that day and jammed you. He was definitely going to let you know to pick up your thumbs. Um, but also at the same time, he was the first one to pat you on the back and tell you good job when we got something done. And and no matter for all the tough moments we had, we also he was like I said the first to recognize when you did something that kind of would have flown under the radar, but. He, uh, he was the first one to say something and compliment you for it. So it's something I appreciate. Um, it, it's an experience that, you know, I'll, I'll never take for granted. And I cherish is getting to play with that group of guys and be a part of the program at that time. And um, really, it, it made it made that experience so awesome. That's awesome. Coach, uh, coming from California originally, talk about what was it like coming to the Pacific Northwest for the first time as a player, uh, what were your expectations and how was the acclimation process for you? You know, I honestly truly did not know what I was getting into. Uh, <laughs> and I've been to Oregon one time and that was my recruiting trip. Um, I came up on a weekend, came up on a Saturday after our junior college game in California, flew in, stayed the night, uh, watched them play on Sunday. And then flew out late Sunday night, got to see campus, meet with Bales, meet with Rutch. Um, and, it, and it was, I, I got here, I remember getting in, it was dark already. We walked down to the field, the tarp was on. I kind of was like, okay, whatever, watch them play the next day. I think they were pushed to Sunday, Monday. So I got to see Scott Hyde throw, who was a hmm. I think six rounder of the Mets um, that was at Fox and and they, they won, and it was so much fun to watch. But for me, being a California kid, I was ready for something different. And um, I, I kind of wanted to see something different for a while. Oregon was very appealing to me because it was far enough away from home, but not too far. I wouldn't have to deal with Chicago at the holidays. I wouldn't get stuck in, you know, those type of things. So it, it was something that I just took that leap of faith and was like, Hey, I got two more years. It's a winning program. I really like the coaches. Um, I, I thought it was a, a place I'd end up and I get up here and I am a Bay area kid though. So I'm used to a little bit of the fog and rain and, and some season, some weather. Uh, um, it's not always sunny there. So for me, the transition is great, but I was blown away by the quality of baseball. I was blown away by, um, the teaching, the coaching, <clears throat> even through summer ball, the summer ball opportunities that I knew nothing about, the quality of Division three baseball. Um, when I got here, it was it was amazing to see some of the kids that were playing, especially being from California Junior College. Like it, it was a it was a great experience for me, and something I look back on that um, really kind of put me where I'm at, but also changed changed a lot of things about my view on um, what college baseball was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of had the same experience, but on the opposite side, Coach, I, you know, I played at Corbin and and uh, was mm-hmm. there for a, a few years and then uh, and basically went down to Simpson University and I tried to do that whole NorCal, SoCal thing and, and then I just found myself coming back to the Pacific Northwest and that is yeah. true what you're saying there. There's no... It's definitely unique. It's good baseball. Here. I, mm-hmm. I, that's why I found myself going down there. I got the whole college, the California experience, but I felt like, man, my heart's drawn back to the Pacific Northwest, and and definitely Absolutely. it was worth it. Yeah. Go ahead. And I think when I when I decided to come to George Fox and to do it, my whole mind was, ah, I'll go up there for two years, and then I'll move back to California and start working and yeah. and do whatever comes next in that. Um, in that journey. But I mean, I, 
I can't imagine. This is home to me now. Like the Pacific Northwest, and I love the seasons. I love the weather. It's just become such a. It's drawn me here, and it's going to keep me here for as long as I can. So. <laughs> well, Coach, we we know that uh, you were having an outstanding year uh, here. Um, I saw it had a point where you guys were seven wins in a row, and you guys were rocking it mm-hmm. pretty good. So, mm-hmm. just tell us a little bit about what what, what made this year's team a little bit special i know you guys got a rich history of, of doing well throughout the seasons i mean i remember playing against you in 2005 and we played a three-game series and uh you guys kicked our butt all three games and so <laughs> we, i think one game we came close by a, a run there but what made this year's yeah. roster so special and and how do you think the year was going up to the point where everything was a sudden stop uh i've you know, I really liked our group this year. Um, we had, it was a weird roster dynamic. Um, we had 45 guys on our roster and we had 22 returners and 23 freshmen. Um, wow. and don't know how it ended up that way. Honestly, I didn't even realize that. So I counted out the roster one day and went, Oh, well, we we're actually voting on our leadership council. I was put together the ballots and I'm like, man, the freshman ballot has a lot of people on it. Um, but we, we had such a great mix. We had seven seniors who have kind of seen it all over their four years. Um, you know, two or three of them have played pretty much every day since they were freshmen and, and learned by fire. I mean, our, our starting shortstop and, and, uh, probably one of our better arms. Um, he, he's been our everyday guy since he was a freshman. I'll never forget in Arizona, his first, first appearance in college. I think he made eight errors in four games. And it was kind of like, oh boy, like what? What are we gonna do? But as the years got on, he kept working, he kept progressing, and those seven seniors did such a good job of laying a groundwork of leadership and a foundation for the younger guys. And you know, we challenged them throughout the year with to continue the legacy on. And really, hey, your legacy is not going to be defined by what happens in these forty plus games that we play in twenty twenty. It's going to be decided by what happens over the next three years as well. And they did such a great job. Our young guys were coming along, and um, it, it, it was a really fun group to coach. Um, they worked their butts off. We uh, we played great baseball, and, and I honestly think we were really starting to learn some things and really going to be able to um, continue it. Uh, I think we were, we were going to continue playing well. We are going to continue doing a lot of those things, and, you know, unfortunately, the the plan was a little different. The world had some other in mind. and We have to put a little pause on this for a little while. And um, we'll get to play baseball again. And, and I'm excited when those that day does come because I miss coaching. I miss being around those guys. But um, those seniors will be missed. And uh, a lot of what we've done and a lot of the track and what they've started is, is a testament to who they are. And, um but yeah, we, we had a fun group. I mean, we had some good young guys and, and we're really, uh, playing well. We went to Texas to open up and played two, two highly ranked teams, depending on what polls you look at. And we're able to get a couple wins. And, um, I'm, I'm really excited about the future of it. I think there's some, some good players that really care and are there for the right reasons. And so, uh, there, there's a lot to like about what the future of George Fox baseball looks like. Well, we won't talk too much about uh, about which seniors might be returning to you next year. I know kind of us as coaches, we like to keep things close to the vest and it's the public mm-hmm. channel, so we won't dive into that too much. But we're going to talk a little bit here about what has happened at the NCAA level, even the junior college level a little bit, about mm-hmm. the shutdowns and what has been given back. I'll, I'll start with uh, Division One level. I know tomorrow, which is March 30th, We'll be doing their uh, legislative council, hopefully make some decisions as far as who's getting year back, uh, maybe what they're going to do with scholarships. We know that there's a scholarship limit at that level. There's also a roster limit at that level that you and I at Division Two and Three don't have to deal with. So I know we're all waiting to kind of see what happens there. Uh, at the Division Two level, um, they have granted our seniors and underclassmen their year back. Um, we aren't sure necessarily on the scholarship side of things, but for some of us, it's not really a worry because we don't have 
the great funding to begin with. Um, and then the junior college players have also been granted in the NWAC and as well as the other um, affiliations and national JUCOs are getting their year back as well. And then we also heard that the NCAA, at, at least the Division II level, um, will recognize those years going back to those players so we could be seeing some um, some sophomore or even some tra- uh, freshman transfers here soon that usually are all junior transfers out of that NWAC system. So talk a little bit about Division Three, what has happened, maybe something you're waiting on. Where do you guys stand there? Um, well, what we've kind of seen at the Division Three level is um, very similar to what what the D- Division Two level has done is kind of going to be a blanket waiver throughout all classes. Um, all those kids have the ability to extend their clock if they need to or have a fifth year if that's something that um, they want to pursue. They have to follow the same academic guidelines to be eligible. So mm-hmm. you still have to have classes to take or something within your major, which are all things compliance at all levels have to work through. Um, but it, it sounds like at our level, they're, they're going to issue that blanket waiver and give that year back. And the D3 level, and, I, and I'm sure it's like this at a lot of levels, is so weird because we start our first game February 4th. Mm-hmm. Some of the East Coast schools had played one game or were on the road for their opening weekend when this mm-hmm. all happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's teams like us that have played 15 games, and there's teams back East or some from the Midwest that have played two. I think mm-hmm. there are two schools that didn't even get to play a game. Wow. So um, you kind of have a weird dynamic with that. But as of right now, where it stands, NCAA granted um, all kids the ability to uh, have that year back or extend their clock if need be. And um, one of the things that I thought was really cool with the NCAA at our level is they allowed us to have the ability to help kids who were displaced because of housing. So like say, so-and-so got kicked out of the dorms or had to move out of the dorms but couldn't get home. We were able to help with some of those financial pieces if need be. Um, and, uh, and which was a really, a really good move with the suddenness and kind of the craziness of this whole scenario. What do you think, uh, what is this going to do personally for you from a roster standpoint? Is there decisions that you're going to have to make? Is it less of a 2020 recruiting class? Is it more of a 21 recruiting class? What are you kind of looking like from a team standpoint on that? I think for us, it's all still going to kind of filter itself out here over the next couple months. I think it'll be interesting to see how many of the young guys want to start planning for that fifth year, Mm. you know, because they're almost at a benefit for having a fifth year back because they can start academically planning their schedule mm-hmm. to be able to have that fifth year or that extra mm-hmm. semester or whatever it may be. If that's something they choose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, honestly, I'm still, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, especially at our level where there is no scholarship money and, and we have kind of that JV program as well. I think we'll end up with bigger rosters for the next couple of years, which, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I also still got to work out the logistics because it scares me a little bit. <laughs> um, but I think, um, you know, for us 2020-wise, it's more about making sure our the kids we have committed are are still doing okay, that they're handling mm-hmm. things okay, their family's doing well, um, and that everything on their end is being taken care of because they're in the same boat our seniors are. A lot of them just lost their final year of high school baseball or waiting word whether they're going to lose their senior year of, of high school baseball. So um, I, I don't think it's, we're going to see, at least in my opinion, I don't think we'll see a ton of impact on the 20 class with it increasing or decreasing. I think the 21 class will be the interesting one for a lot of people. Yeah, I know, I know personally for us that we have to uh... – talk with some of those guys, whether they're a, a red shirt for us, maybe even a medical red shirt at our, our private schools. It's a lot of our funding, even at division two level is for us is through that academic merit. And when those guys yeah. graduate with that initial degree, most places um, will take away that merit. So is it planning, you know, for that extra year, is it taking on that extra money? Could I do a master's in that time? There's a lot that goes into that decision. And, and I know we hate to put pressure on our kids to decide that at that point in time, but yeah. it, 
it sure helps us to know what they're doing. So when we get in the 21 class, is it, do I need three or do I need 30? You know, um, yep. it's just, uh, it's, it's really interesting to have to talk with those guys and we want to do everything for them, but, uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, it just makes our planning just a little bit more difficult. Well, I think it's also, are we advancing some of these? Like, are some of our sophomores now juniors, or are they going to stay sophomores? Because you start looking at it and go, okay, well, like in our case, we had 23 freshmen. So are all those kids going to look at pursuing a fifth year, or all those kids, Mm -hmm. are most of them just going to go, coach, you know, I'll keep moving forward, and we'll cross that bridge when the time comes. Like, it's, it's interesting to see, and it's family decisions. Like, this isn't about you. It isn't about Mm -hmm. me. It's about the kid and the family making the best decision for them financially, fit-wise. Like, you know, it's going to be across all levels. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out with um, with kids' decisions and what comes of all of it. So here in Washington, we're, you know, the high schools, where you have a chance to come back if school starts. Is Oregon the same way for high school? I believe so, yes. Um, I know there's, you know, you hear all the, the, the rumors and the, the trial. I think they're trying to wait as long as possible, just like Washington, to see what's going to happen. Um, I've heard that there's been push to even try to get OSA to maybe push things towards the summer a little bit if need be. Um, I've heard some high schools are even talking about just running summer ball like their high school season. Um, but I think we're all in that wait and see mode right now to, to see when when things calm down a little bit and when it's safe to return to baseball. Absolutely, I know it's pretty uh, helpless knowing that you can't give your kids answers right now. <laughs> oh no, and I mean even even kids that are you know like coming to George Fox that are that may want to try to walk on. It's kind of like, coach, what what's it look like? I don't know yet, man. Like I'm still <laughs> trying to wrap my head around all that. We're still trying to figure out on our end and. Um, you know, I, I hate some of the over-recruiting that goes on in college baseball. I hate some of those things. So I try to be really honest with kids. I try to be really upfront with kids. And, and um, sometimes I just got to tell them, hey, let me get back to you. Let me work through some things and try to figure this out. But um, that, And that's where I say, like, I think we're all going to feel a little bit of a roster change here, um, whether the Division One level passes or doesn't. And, with the division two and division three level doing what they've done. I think it's going to be, it's going to be, there's going to be some tough conversations to be had with kids. And um, I think some tough decisions for kids to make over the next couple of years. So quick question. You think about, uh, you know, the possibilities of this ripple effect taking place. Do you, do you feel like your the recruiting process for you and your staff is going to be a little bit different moving forward over the next few years, or are you guys going to kind of keep the same, style of going out and, and looking for your guys and all that good stuff. I mean, I think that's, those are things that are going to have to work itself out. Um, I, the, this recruiting cycle, that's about to start here in a couple months. I mean, the biggest question of it is what's it actually going to look like? What mm-hmm. events are going to be held? What, when are we going to be able to get out and, and get to see kids play again? Um, you know, I, I, the recruiting by video is, is a big thing nowadays, but I'm, maybe a little old school and I like to see a kid play mm-hmm. and I like to get that game. And I don't, I've been fooled a lot on video and um, good and bad. I've been fooled where I thought a kid was better and I've been fooled where I didn't think a kid was great on video. And he dominated me for four years in our conference and haunted me every, every time we played him. So um, I, I just, I, we talked as a staff of like, all right, what's this actually going to look like? What's the time frame going to look like with the dead period? For division one and two and, and we don't have the same recruiting restrictions so we don't technically have a dead period but also mm-hmm. we're not going to bring kids to campus right now because we're not going to try to get kids to travel or any of those things so it, i just there's a lot to still be determined on what the recruiting process for the next couple of years is going to look like because i think we're all in a big unknown right now uh mm-hmm. what's this what's this how long is this going to take I mean, are, are the common events that we attend every year going to still be there? And, you know, if not, I think it's going to have to be a little more creative. I think there's going to be a lot more chance run and, um, you know, talking with guys is how can we still identify and get to see kids play if there aren't some of those staple events like baseball Northwest or, 
you know, hopefully all those things are still going to be, will be cleared by then and be ready to go. A great lead in there. I know we've kind of dabbled a little bit now to our, uh, our banter topic of the day. We're still waiting on a name on that one. We're going to have a name here soon for our general topic of the day. But, but today I want to dive into recruiting. Um, talk about all levels. We'll probably stay more division three, division two levels just because that's kind of our expertise there. But, um, kind of that lead in, lead in here, just talking about how special it is to have the opportunity to play collegiate baseball. Um, only 7.3% of high school players will have the opportunity to move on to the NCAA level. Um, 2.2% at Division One, 2.2% at Division Two, And our highest level is Division Three, which I'm assuming most people aren't aware of. At, at close to 3% of that group will move on to Division III. Um, so talk about that Division Three level. What, what are the misconceptions there? What do you hope people to, to understand what, what the rest of us know about the level of play and all those things we've talked about a little bit now? Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing I, I would say about D3 is also the biggest level. There's the most schools that play baseball at that level. Um, there's, you know, a wide variety of types of schools. I mean, MIT is a really good Division three baseball program and a really, really good academic school. Caltech um, is the same way, very, very high academic. And what you find at the Division three level, and I, I say this with the most respect, is not all programs are created equal. There are some Division three programs that um, are not very competitive, that aren't funded well, that aren't um, – it, it's not an emphasis for it. It's almost like a club sport. But then you also have the high-end programs where it, it's just like any other level and there's really, really good – players it's kind of the ivy league model and there's no athletic scholarships they're there for academics um i, I always sum up division three rules with our guys whatever's available to a math major has to be available to our baseball players um we don't you know but there's also really good players i talked about scott hyde who played at george fox back in 2000 um he, he was drafted in 2004 when we won the national championship and he was a 92 to 95 arm with a plus plus slider. Um, last year we played Chapman University from Southern California uh, in a three game set, and their three starting pitchers were 90, 93, 89 to 91, 88 to 90, and then their the kid who was National Pitcher of the Year, who even with the draft being shortened to five rounds this year, I think still may get his name called. Uh, he was 95, 97 against us, so. Um, there's really good players at our level. Um, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of really good baseball. And I think for so many kids, it's a great mix. Both division two and division three is mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer. The best way to get good at baseball is to play baseball. And mm -hmm. you have an opportunity at a division two or division three school to play every day from the moment you walk on campus. Um, and, and for so many of those borderline Division One kids, you get that opportunity to learn, to make mistakes, but to continue improving. And uh, if you are good enough, they will find you. Like, mm -hmm. that, that's the thing is with summer ball opportunities and with um, social media and with the way the world is now baseball-wise, with data, with analytics, with video – there you will get found. I, I mean, our, I'm a firm believer in you could be a really good player at St. Martin's. You could be a really good player at Biola. You could be a really good player at George Fox. You could be a really good player at any of those schools. And if you're really good, somebody's going to come watch you. Mm -hmm. And somebody's going to give you a chance. Now you got to perform, but if you can throw 90 on a radar gun or 93 on a radar gun, that radar gun doesn't say D3, D2, or D1. That radar gun just says 93 miles an hour. And you're going to get people to come watch. And I think so many kids could really – one of the greatest players I've coached in George Fox was a kid who, uh, who ended up playing five years of professional baseball as a catcher. And um, he, he, he could have went as a Division One walk-on and had some opportunities out of high school. But he was able to play in 25 or 30 games as a freshman for us, really gain some experience and learn what being a college baseball player is. And that experience propelled him towards the next level and towards being an All-American and getting a chance to play professionally. And 
I think if you asked him, he would say that had he done another pass, I don't think that the end result is the same thing. Right. But I think I think we come to find that the tools stand out at our levels. Uh, mm-hmm. I think many of us don't have that five tool type player. Very few at Division One level do as well, but a lot of those guys have multiple tools at that level. So they come to us, and and most guys that we bring in each have something unique. You know, whether they're a good arm, um, a good bat, contact, or power. And there's not a lot of other guys around them like that. You know, so if you have mm-hmm. that kind of unique skill, that unique ability, we're going to find the best way to maximize that and, and work in our roster. Whereas I think you go to some of those higher levels, everyone has great skills, everyone has great tools, and it's purely that mental makeup, you know, that really separates those guys. And a lot of times they don't have the opportunity to learn it before getting passed up and they're on the bench and all of a sudden they're hating it. Um, and I think yeah. that's the benefit we have is to really teach, right, really teach all the aspects of it and try to bring out the best of each and each and every individual. I know the Division One level does not do that, but um, yeah. our timelines are a little bit easier on guys. Our, our priorities are generated more towards graduation, um, becoming a you know an individual in life, and and less about the draft and making money and those type of things. So the pressure is a little bit lower. It's, it's a good learning environment, um, and, and I love talking to coaches that. You know, you call them up, whether a high school coach, a summer ball coach, and you ask them about their roster, and they go, these are our best players. Uh, I think a lot of misconceptions we get into sometimes is, is trying to put labels on guys. So this guy is a, mm-hmm. a no-doubt Division One, or he's even not a Division One guy. You know, I, I think there's unique talents and unique things in each player, and, and whether you throw 95 or, or 75, if you have the ability to get out, then, you know, we're going to find a way to make that work, so... I think we get so caught up in, in the measurables and, and labels and, and the pressures that get put on a, a good chunk of kids that, you know, a lot of them, it's, it's this sink or swim mindset. And it happens at a, at a really young age now. And, um, you know, in reality, we're just trying to look for the best players and, and the guys that have the most talent. You know, and I think one great point you made there is the timeline piece. We can be so much more patient with kids um, because, we're going to continue, that kid's going to continue getting opportunities, right? Like if I go out and give up walk two and give up three runs and I'm at maybe a higher level, I may not get that opportunity again right away because I got to go out and win two games. I got to do those things. Whereas at our level, we're still trying to win games, but we're going to be a little bit more patient and give those kids maybe a little bit more opportunity to get on a field and, and be able to learn on the fly a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, and, you know, I think one of the biggest things is baseball, baseball, the the division one, division two, division three, the ball's the same size. The bases are in the same spot. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we're all doing the same thing. Um, And and I think there's, there's the right fit for kids at all levels. And uh, you know, we're, it's, it's more, to me, it's more about you finding the right fit for you academically within your graduation, you know, what you're trying to do graduation-wise, what atmosphere you want, and finding a place where you believe that the coaches have your best interest in mind, that they're willing to be, you know, to invest in you and really coach you. And if, mm-hmm. if you find that place, the, the number next to the D doesn't matter on that part of it, right? Because that's mm-hmm. the best fit for you and where's gonna the place that's going to get um, the most out of you. Right, right. And we had the opportunity this year to, to come down and, and play a scrimmage early February. It was mm-hmm. a little bit rainy on the drive down. We were fortunate to, to show up and end up being a really great day. But got that yeah. first-hand look. I, I had an opportunity to see your team play before or, or George Fox in general. Uh, I know you last year had a chance to come to our, our conference tournament down in your area, but that firsthand yep. look, man, you, you had guys flying around that were, you know, no doubt players for us, starters for us at a yep. division two level. You got a right fielder that as a freshman is starting and, and can do some things with the bat and comes in at the end of the game and pumping up her eighties. You have a, a center yep. fielder who can, run probably with the best of them in the country. You got a catcher back there that is a high talented player. It, it's, it's amazing to, to see firsthand um, just how close things are and the ball can bounce mm-hmm. a certain way in a given day. And, 
I, I think for, for us, what we find is it's just the depth. The depth becomes a separator between us and, and a Division One, or maybe even a higher East Coast type Division Two program. Is that the backups are the same quality? Um, but for us, our, our starters are are all really really great players, um, mm-hmm. and, and and the reason they're great players is because they've had a chance to play right away, um, and and that's what makes it so fun to see that maturation process over four years, and and to really see guys just continue to get better and better you know i think that's 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 a right on 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 the aspect of i think depth it's one of the great parts about baseball if you put any two teams on the field in a one game on one day with everybody available i think it anything can happen in a lot of those games Mm -hmm. i don't think that's the case in basketball and football um the same way the depth is where you see the differences between levels in general in my opinion Mm -hmm. coach my question for you uh you know and something that i preach to my kids in high school that hey you don't know who's watching that there could be you have no idea whose uncle's related to who that can turn you or you know can pass on things and the absolutes and what you do and don't do on the field you know not running out of ground ball and and you can see people leaving as you know might be watching but when you're watching a game and you're there what's one thing that a player can do to impress you and what's one thing that can make you cross their name off and leave I mean, I think the nature of baseball is it's such a game of failure and it's so difficult. So how kids handle failure is a huge piece of what I like to see. Um, Don't get me wrong. I love going to games and watching kids I'm recruiting go four for four and have great days and do all those things. But sometimes it's really nice to be able to see how they handle an 0 for 4 game and what they say afterwards. Because you're always going to have that conversation, you know, after the game and be like, hey, you know, fun to watch you today. Yeah, coach, you know, just didn't feel great. Didn't really kind of get things, you know, my swing didn't feel great or that was a bad call or just to see how some of those things handle it. Cause the nature of what we do, you're never going to hit a thousand and you're going to make outs. You're going to strike out. So how are you able to learn from that? How are you able to respond from that? And I think you're right on with, with you never know who's watching but my biggest piece is what if i only get to see you one time mm-hmm. if i only get to see you one time and the only time i get on a 90 is five seconds then in my mind you're a five runner like i, I don't i can't convince you. you may say you run a six seven but if the only time i can get on get you is a five second 90 i that's all i know right so when kids and you have to enjoy playing baseball because at the high school level, it's one thing when you get to the college level and you're in it every day, you're going about it every day. Like it, it's a different, so you better be passionate about baseball. Um, and, and you better be able to handle the ups and downs of it and never get too high and never get too low. Is um, I tell our guys quite often, if you make baseball life and death, you're going to die a lot. Right? <laughs> um, because that's the nature of what, what we do. And, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, Kelly and I have both been around guys who you watch from outside and just go, you're your own worst enemy, man. Like, mm-hmm. I can tell what type of day you're going to have by how your first at bat goes. Mm-hmm. And those little kids that you have to try to identify, and you got to also have a little grit to you. you got to be able to fight through when things aren't going well. you got to be able to be coachable. And, you know, one thing within our program, and I challenge our assistants with this all the time, is we're going to coach our guys. We're going to invest in them. We're going to give them everything we have for them to be successful. And but to do that, you got to be able to make changes. What sometimes you get away with in high school as a player, you may not get away with in college when the breaking ball gets better, the VA gets better. So being open to um, being coachable, but on the field, how you carry yourself and can you carry yourself as a mature and professional and um, really have a passion to play baseball. I'm going to loop it back a little bit too, cop to uh, what we were just talking about with, with having time and having the ability to, to give guys time to, to grow into good players. A lot of times mm-hmm. in recruiting, if someone can't get over something really quick, like you're saying, then, then we know in, in our college setting that that guy's not going to be able to stay with it, that we're going to yep. stick with him in that process when he's struggling. But mentally, is he going to be able to keep it together for himself? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Jason, you got a question right, for him? There you go. Jason, you well, want to hit him? I got one last question for you here, Coach. Uh, what, you know, weight technology is, and, you know, we got, I mean, when I was coming through high school, we had VHSs we'd send out to college coaches to watch <laughs> yep. in. And uh, I had a booklet who said, the, you know, American, you know, all the colleges from D1 all the all the way down to JUCO, what college coaches were looking for for players. And I've flipped through that thing and looked at different schools I'd be interested in across the nation. But what is the way things are with technology and stuff? What is the one biggest misconception you've seen with incoming freshmen from the high school level and coming into maybe possibly recruit coming into your program? Are you seeing? Um, I mean, I think the biggest things that, in my opinion, the biggest things kids kids can do to help themselves is be prepared and be genuine in this. I think mm-hmm. so many kids um, are they're trying to work through their own decision process of like, all right, what level do I fit in at? Where do I kind of where do I fit in the scheme of college baseball? And one of the biggest things is I think so many kids don't understand, like we've talked about a little bit today, the, the differences between levels, but also the talent between levels. And I think we're very unique in the Northwest. And being a Northern California kid, growing up, there wasn't really a Division three school for me to go watch. So I didn't know much. Cal State, East Bay, um, that's now Division two, was Division three at that point. But for the most part, I encourage kids – always um go watch a game go watch every level if you're if you're a a washington kid you can go watch a plu game a tacoma cc or lower columbia a st martin's and a uw game and you can get a sense of what every level looks like player wise mm-hmm. and i think for so many kids they never wrap their head around well i'm a you know i'm a 5 catcher who throws a 2-2, but I need to figure out where I fit in amongst all those things. And they show up thinking, okay, well, this level is this, and I'm probably more of that. Just being able to be proactive in that. And um, when you email coaches, email them with a genuine, like, email of why you're interested in a place. And um, But – but when it comes to getting to campus, I think just making sure that you understand what you're getting into. You're, you ask questions when you're on visits of, hey, what's the daily life going to be like? Um, because, like, one thing I, I try to do on every visit is make sure that kids know that for the first couple of weeks of January, we're practicing at 5 in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't want a kid to show up and go, wait a minute, you never told me we're not, we practice at that time. You know, so just making sure you do your homework as much as anybody else. Yeah. That kind of answer that, the question? Yeah, I did. I, I, it kind of yeah. reminds me of those uh, two-a-days we'd have, you know, uh, starting out. And that that is so true, uh, you know, Coach, that we you would see guys that would come into your program uh, or, you know, what I played with, that I didn't have it, you know, getting those 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. workouts in and, and especially being a – uh, one of the catchers there, uh, my freshman year at Corbin, you know, doing catching bullpens at five, five thirty in the morning isn't fun, you know, no. especially when you're up till midnight, you know, goofing off with your buddies. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's part of that loving that grind, you know, for sure. So you know, and I think at our level, it's even magnified more than the Division Two level. But the Division Two level, it's even less. And we only get such limited time with our guys in the fall, so right. we're only allowed so little time with our guys to where you better love to work on your own a little bit. You better be self-motivated to put in the work yourself because we'll give you a plan. Like our staff will give you a plan of, Hey, this is what you need to address in the off season. These are ways you can do it. But in the end, I can't be there every day. Our outfield coach can't be there every day hitting fungos to our outfielders. Mm -hmm. So you got to be self-starting enough and you got to have the passion and the desire to want to continue to your development piece on your own um, or else it, you're going to get passed up. Mm-hmm. So follow-up to that cop would be uh, in that recruiting process. How do you identify the guys that are, are the self-starters that you've been doing it long enough? 
um, for Division Three, and, and how important that is to their development is kind of that on your own time that we talked about. What, what are kind of some of those attributes that that show you that the guy's capable of doing it, or, or maybe what's what's some stuff that shows he's incapable of doing it? You know, I think you just kind of get a sense of what a kid's made of by your conversations with them, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I think you can get a sense of you know, there's there's kids that you talk to through the recruiting process that are from small towns where you're like, hey, how's things going? Good coach got up at six, buck hay today, finally was able to get to the gym. Like, you, you know, you don't have to question his ability to work on things. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, you got to make sure he's directed in the right direction and that he's, you know, focused and doing what he needs to do. But one of the things our men's, our men's basketball coach actually – uh, talk to me about this, I think last year, and I thought it was really nice is, you know, we all know high school coaches, and if I'm recruiting Kelly, he's going to give me his high school coach's name and, and those things. One thing I like to do is if I know another coach in that conference, like say, say I'm recruiting mm-hmm. Kelly, but I can call another high school coach in the same conference and be like, hey, what you got on this kid? Mm-hmm. Is he a kid you fear when you're playing against him? Is he, is he seem like a leader for him? Because um, you can get a little bit more of an unbiased sense of what others see him, right? Because we've all we all have that kid on another team in our conference that we look at, and it's like, gosh, he's still here. Feels like he's been here for eight years. Mm-hmm. Is it the same way with that kid at the high school level? Is if I can get a report from another high school coach in the same league that's like, hey, he's a pest. I hate pitching to him. You know, he's a hard guy to get out, or every time, no matter whether his stuff's good, he battles and gives him a chance. We're starting to figure a little bit more about what makes that kid tick and mm-hmm. and what what we're able to get out of that kid. And, um, you know, those things matter at our level, at all levels. But, um, like I said, I think a little bit more magnified at our level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hit on it earlier, too, when you talked about um, only have the opportunity to see a guy one time. If he runs that five flat 90 or maybe hits the fly ball, the jogs to first base, uh, slow getting on and off the field. If he's going to do it at that point in time in a high school setting when, you know, we're playing 20 games a year, um, you know, how is he going to do it when he's, when he's really going 5 a.m. every day? He's on the road, yep. traveling uh, every single weekend of games. It's, a single and a doubleheader for you. It's back-to-back doubleheaders for us. Um, it's the old old adage: if if you're not going to do it right the first time, then then when will you? Yeah, and I think also like kids laugh at me all the time. Like your freshman year of college baseball is the longest year of baseball you're ever a part of. Right. Like, <laughs> and it's not the number of games. You know, kids play so many games in high school in the summer, but by the time it's all said and done. They've never had to be up till midnight studying for their engineering test the next day mm-hmm. and then still get up and perform the next day or show up to weights at 6 a.m. or any of those things. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's a long year of baseball. So if you don't have that self starting and that desire to work at it, it can, it can become miserable pretty quickly for you. And it, mm-hmm. it happens. Like, it's not easy. It's called baseball is. It can be tough, but um, I think those things matter when you talk recruiting process and who kids are. Um, you'll learn very quickly what, what they're made of and what their desire and passion for the game is. Right. You guys got anything else for Cop on the recruiting side? Nope. No, I'm good. I got I, That was a – you know, I hope a, a lot of high school kids are able to listen to this one and hear it because there's a lot of great information and – and uh, no, I think a lot of high school kids need to. This, this is great for them. And, and coach, we truly appreciate you joining us today. And and thank you for taking the time to talk some baseball with us. Absolutely, I appreciate you guys having me. And um, it, it's always fun to get get to talk baseball. And and I look forward to the day when we're all we're all able to get back on the road and see guys at events and and uh, restart those friendships and relationships and and kind of just continue uh, working to make the game of baseball better in, in the Northwest. Absolutely. Before we let you go, what's the best way for us to get in contact with you? I'm a high school junior right now. Uh, <laughs> I want to get on your radar. What can I do to get a hold of you? Uh, <laughs> easiest thing to do is shoot me an email. 
Um, my my email's on the website, kcoppel at georgefox.edu. Um, send me an email. Tell me why George Fox interests you. Make sure you have the right name on there um, and the right university. But, uh, you know, I, it, it's uh, – I'll, and then once once I see it, have a schedule ready to go. So make it as easy as possible for us to be able to plan to get out and see you play. Awesome. Well, I know from hey, a coach. fact that if you get an email from a Kelly gal, he likes to hit that, you know, little bloopers over the second baseman's head for base hits all day. So <laughs> you might want to sign him. Oh, <laughs> if I get an email from a Kelly gal, that's for sure going to be the, hey, I need to come watch you play. <laughs> hey, coach, real quick, I was going to say that uh, we'll, we'll be, hopefully, if, if everything is a go, we'll, I'll have my summer Legion program down in the Portland area this summer for uh, the, the Northwest Invite. So, I'll uh, have to hit you up maybe for a round of golf or something. Absolutely. We'd love to. That'll be a good time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Coach. And we'll be right back with Kelly and Jason and closing this thing out. All right, fans, we're back. What a what a great interview. That was awesome. I I know that we've talked just off the air that we're going to make sure we pass this on to our kids, our, that we you know, the high school kids that Jason and I have. And I, I really hope this gets in the hands of the right people. Uh, great interview. Thank you, Coach Koppel, for joining us today. And, and guys, we're bringing in the closer. What's your final thoughts? Well, guys, I think t- today co- Coach kind of hit it dead on the head, a nail on the head there, you know, talking about this factor of the the uh, recruitment, you know, of eligibility, kind of seniors could fit in that fifth-year kind of scenario. And, you know, I think we're going to see this ripple effect. But, you know, what was so good for, for me to hear, guys, is that, you know, as a player, you know, it, it was a, it was a full-time job, you know, getting up and at five in the morning, going to practice for three hours and then going to class. And then of course going another three hour practice and then staying up till 11, 12 o'clock at night, studying for tests or, you know, doing reports and stuff. And then doing the whole thing over and over Monday through basically Saturday, we were always given Sundays off as a day of rest, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see the process of these kids who you know, are given this opportunity are going to continue to want to um, basically uh, stay on with it. You know, I mean, desires and and things change. I mean, um, you know, uh, there's kids out there that, you know, going through this whole turmoil change. I mean, we're living history guys right now and what we're going through. Nobody's ever experienced this. I mean, I think our closest thing was 1918 with the Spanish flu, you know, so I, I think that we're living history. Um, we're going to see a, a different change of things, you know, um, you know, Kelly, it, it's going to be kind of interesting um, on the sense for your guys, you know, how, how much are they wanting to come back, you know, or choosing to go forward with their careers um, or even with their baseball careers, you know? So how, how do you think that's going to factor in for you as a college guy um, coming into the 2021 season? Yeah, I think I mean it's a it's an interesting time for sure, and 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 I know you guys talk to your players in the off season, maybe the younger guys um, trying to um, seat uh, an older guy. Um, but it's it's what are you doing to separate yourself at this point in time? And I think for right now, nobody's watching you. I, I think you guys, I'm sure, do a good job of staying in in contact with with your players and and what they're doing and making sure they're healthy. Um, and those types of things. But um, from a workout standpoint, it's so much about being creative right now. Um, there's something you can do, whether that's push-ups, sit-ups, um, going out for runs, finding ways to play catch. I saw a great, great video on someone being able to, to play long toss. You take a tube sock, you tape it to your wrist, you put a ball at the end of the tube sock, and then you just go through your normal throwing motion. The ball ends up at the end of the tube sock. You roll back in your hand, and you play catch again. You know, and, and that's really where the, the separation is going to happen with, I know it's funny and silly thinking of it that way, but, you know, are you going to the local cage and throwing into the net? Are you able to find a way to take some ground balls or, or, or hit off a tee or, or whatever it is to stay in shape? Because um, when this thing gets rolling again, a lot of those high school guys aren't going to have the ability to have their, their seasons be that lead up into summer ball. Again, we don't know what it's going to look like, but at some point in time, this is going to start again. It could be fall baseball. That might be expanded. It could be mm-hmm. late summer with camps and stuff like that that Cops was talking about. 
Um, mm-hmm. But what do you do right now to separate yourself? Because we're in isolation. There's not people over your shoulder watching you. Um, you can really try to find a way to, to make yourself better and, and be as prepared as possible when we, we get this thing rolling again. No, for sure. I, th- I, I think that that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, Eric, what, what, in what ways are you kind of thinking mentally in preparation for your guys as, you know, we, we still have hope, right? I mean, we, right. we both you and I've talked about um, that we're still in contact with our guys. They, you know, they're, they're challenging our guys to continue to do T work and do the things that in which they can do on their own um, or with their brothers or parents or whatever the case is. But what do you, and what preparation and thought have you thought for these guys that are going to be moving on and up the juniors are going to be seniors, you know, in preparation of what's ahead of them? You know, I guess for like preparation as of right now, I've been forwarding on every single thing I can get. You know, you find online the little drills to, to making sure that they are, you know, staying on top of their skills and whatnot. And, and I think right now, the first couple of weeks of this whole quarantine, I've taken an opportunity for them to, to build the mental side of the things and of understanding, uh, you know, the gosh, how can I say this? Understanding that, you know, you got to take a day for day. Everything's nothing's granted, but you got to find ways to get better no matter what, whether it's doing body weight squats, pushups and whatnot, and find the little things right now to get you better. And, you know, as for like, as we move on, I still, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> I'm trying to think along as a lot of coaches in America, I'm sure are of how are we going to keep these guys going? And like I told our pitching staff, I said, you just got to, that's my biggest concern, honestly, is my pitching staff coming back. You know, if we get to go, we have a week to prepare and go and, and just letting those guys know they need to stay in shape. They need to keep their arms ready and find, find a dad, your dad, or find your buddy that lives in the street. You can play catch down the street and, uh, just keeping mm-hmm. that arm in shape one way or another. And actually I'm, I'm going to pass on that sock idea that Kelly did to the guys here as soon as we get off mm-hmm. this podcast. I think the one thing, uh, the one thing too, I, I guess I'll leave in closing is, is it's, it's a, it's quite a task for a player to, to really find that fit in, in college baseball. So first it's identifying if you, if you do want it to continue with that grind. Um, but right now there is a, a, so much dead time afforded to players to start doing their research. It can be as simple as sitting down and thinking about what do I want to do with school, start looking at schools, start looking at levels, make your list, uh, be realistic about expectations, have an expansive mm-hmm. list, and then reduce it down. Um, but think about your priorities, what's most important for you with academics, with yeah. location, uh, okay. with level of play, with playing with buddies, with being close to home, whatever that is for you. Make that list, get organized, um, and then start reaching out to coaches. And like Pop mm-hmm. said, um, send me a schedule. Tell me about yourself, what are your grades, um, what do you do for fun. Make it individualized for that school. Uh, the blanket emails, they go in the trash box. Um, mm-hmm. The ones that are personalized, talk about our school, talk about you, why you see yourself as a fit. Those are the ones we follow up with and, and want to continue to, to reach out to guys about. So get organized. You ready to go when this thing gets started back up, and and we look forward to hearing from all you. That was the, the other thing I want to you know to wrap things up on my end of touching on stuff. But here, uh, you know, talking about don't get caught up on the what what uh, numbers after the D on this, but mm-hmm. you need to find a spot. And I've told a couple of kids this, and, and at a kid a test, we you know we have a guy going to Yakima next year, but you know not very often do we have guys heading out and and the guys that do have the opportunity I say okay here's what you need you need to find out what do you want to do in life okay what are you going to do um what do you want to study in school and then I want you to go mm-hmm. contact them and if they show interest back you need to go spend a weekend in that town because you are going to live there cuz mm-hmm. where I went to community college I had to live there and I I didn't mm-hmm. like it after a year and a half or, or a year and you got to make sure that you're going to be comfortable you're going to have a great experience and where you're going to be and give yourself the best opportunity to, opportunity to succeed get better and surround yourself with great people and you know make sure you go to the right fit because if you don't it's not going to be a lot of fun for you you could end up riding the pine the all four years that's true you know i i I second that eric you know that is it's it's like i saying it's a full-time job it's like you're taking you're applying for jobs all over the nation and 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 you you got picked up for that particular position there um and you're you're settling in i i remember you know my first time moving down to salem um you know adapting to the an area that i was not used to 
um, getting in my car and driving around for hours and see if I could get myself lost, you know, uh, understanding the streets and where the thing, you know, hot spots are at, you know, what's the best place to drink coffee, you know, I mean, all those scenarios that it, you're, you're part of that community now, you know, and you, you need to adapt. And I remember guys would come down and be down there for a year or get through fall ball and, and then just basically, I, I just can't deal with it mentally. It's not my place, you know? And so, you know, I, I, I would have to say that I was telling you guys in closing, uh, you know, it was really great to have coach cop on there today. And, and, uh, you, you know, if, if my son is, uh, it's the, you know, he's only eight years old now, but, uh, if he ever desires to play on the next level, definitely coach cop is on the top of my list for college coaches out there, guys. I, I just was pretty, I was very well impressed with, uh, his mindset and his program and, and how he's growing that it, that's, it's awesome. So. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Fungo Banter Podcast. We will be back soon. I believe we're recording again tomorrow. Uh, we got another guest. Uh, you know, let's keep them waiting, fellas. Let's let's make this a, a big surprise who's coming out tomorrow. So follow us on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. Check us out iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And until next time, take care of one another, stay healthy, and let's get back to baseball.